Hey everybody, it's Dan Lobby. We're going to get to the podcast here in a second. Today we have our Friday picks, uh, where we pick four games, uh, including the Browns games. You're going to get to hear us make our picks. And also one of our Football Insider subscribers is on as well. And then Mike Preston from the Baltimore Sun joined us. Mary Kay Cabot and I interview Mike uh, in the second part of the pod, so check that out. Now, if you hear our Football Insider and you're wondering how you can get involved in things like this, and of course getting our, our subscription tech service All you need to do is start your free trial for 14 days. You text 216-208-3965. So what do you get? You get texts from Mary Kay, me, Ellis, Scott Patsko. That's part of it. And then we offer things like this where you can come on our podcast. You know, we did a preseason Zoom with our tech subscribers. You probably heard that uh, on the pod feed, but but folks got to actually come on the Zoom and ask us questions and and participate in the Zoom with us. And, And we do regular things. Uh, like that. And of course, the texting, you know, that, that's the bones of it, right? You, you get news, you get analysis, you get what we're thinking about the team. Uh, I, I do an interview for a feature store and I jump on there and, and I share something that maybe doesn't even go in the story once it gets written. It just gets shared with our tech subscribers. So if you want to check it out, you can go to cleveland.com slash browns and get more details. There's a box on the side of the page that you can click on, or you can just start that 14-day free trial. This is the time to do it. The season is starting. Football is back. Text 216-208-3965. Start that 14-day free trial. See if Football Insider is right for you. Now, here's our Friday pod. Hey everybody, welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. It is the picks edition of the pod, trying something new this season. We're going to pick some games. Let's get to that in a second. But first, let me welcome on everyone we have on our panel today. Uh, Doug Maurice is here. Doug, how are you? I'm great. I'm ready to make some money. Fake <laughs> money. Fake money. Oh, I, I forgot to tell you, Doug. We don't have any money to give you. We don't uh, like ter- the, the Cleveland.com is not like the sports book in this. They are not paying out if we're right. I guess, I guess not. There, there might be some spare change around the office, maybe. Uh, Nobody's been there for months, so we can okay. go see what we can find. Uh, Ellis Williams joining us as well. Ellis, how are you? I'm cool, man. Uh, ask my hometown friends back home, like LeVar Ball when it comes to sports gambling. I've never lost. Ooh. Never lost. Okay. <laughs> never lost. All right. Uh, and we're bringing in one of our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, we're going to do one every single week. We're going to have somebody on to pick games with us, our guest picker. And today it is Terry Richards. Terry, how are you? I'm great. How are you today? Doing well. Okay, so just to explain how we're going to do this. And, you know, again, look, bear with us. We're doing this on the fly. There might be some changes as we go along. But at least initially here, we all are going to pick the Browns game. Uh, you got to stick around for that. Wait to hear that. But then we also went through... And we picked three other games from the Sunday and Monday slate. And we're going to talk about those games and make our picks. So it could be any three games. We'll see if we have any duplicates. Nobody knows what anyone else picked. So it's all going to be a surprise uh, when someone picks an inevitable upset or something like that. Uh, You'll get to hear the shock in our voice. So let's get started. Doug, what's your first game? One of the things that I'm going to bank on until it goes wrong is that the Buffalo Bills are the most overrated team in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills are worse than the Browns. They started seven and three last year, and six of their wins were against the Jets, Giants, Bengals, Redskins, and the Dolphins twice. They are a product of a terrible, easy schedule. When they played the Browns, they lost to the Browns, and somehow – 
People now think that Josh Allen is a savior. Sean McDermott is a genius. And I am here to tell you they are going to flame out. I could not. Oh, Ellis is nodding his head. Yes, I want to come hug Ellis. I am so out on Buffalo. They are such a fraud. And by the way, it's like, oh, they got Stephon Diggs. You know what happens when you get like a big time receiver who comes in and is working with a young quarterback for the first time? Remember what happened last? Sometimes it doesn't go great. They're going to stink early. So my first pick is Jets plus six and a half. Well, we have our first first disagreement. Oh, okay. After that, by me, please go ahead and make your case for Josh Allen while I I sit back and laugh. I am not making a case for Josh Allen. I'm not making a case for the Buffalo Bills, but I am making a case against the New York Jets. And I don't care if Buffalo goes one and 15 this year or two and 14 this year, those wins will come against the New York Jets. I'm taking Buffalo minus six and a half against the Jets. Ellis, did you notice that just as Dan started talking, I literally was sipping tea right there in that, like that's how confident I am Kermiting like crazy over here listen and i'm getting six and a half these teams met these teams met to start the season last year and they played a 17 16 game that the jets blew the lead and the bills won i'm getting six and a half i don't even have to win i'm practically getting a touchdown so i i don't know i am so confident in this um i just i don't know where this view of buffalo comes from I think that I think Buffalo and the Jets are like in the same ballpark. So if I'm getting nearly a touchdown, I'm taking that all day. Yeah, it, it's a it's a darling it's a darling type of thing. Much like Browns fans will know what happened with Cleveland last year. Uh, every team every year you need a team like that. And I can tell you, as someone from Minnesota, um, huge Stephon Diggs fan. He grew into a sort of a problem, if you will. There were trade rumors really circulating all year. And then finally, Rick Spielman pulled off of really what it was a King's ransom for a wide receiver that is probably not going to be any happier in Buffalo than he was in Minnesota, uh, playing in a dome in Minnesota, now going to the cold of Buffalo. Josh Allen was the least accurate deep ball thrower in football last year. Now you can spin that data either way. You can say, well, he didn't have the deep receiver to go complete the play, or you can just say, and then now he does, so he'll, it'll, him and Stephon Diggs will match. Or you can say, no, he just can't throw the deep ball, which means Stephon Diggs will be even more angry in Buffalo than he was in Minnesota. I'm with you, Doug. I'm not high on Buffalo at all. As for this game, I think it's a stay away because I just I'm not get, having my money tied up in Sam Darnold or Josh Allen. But I, I agree with the long take on Buffalo. Terry, Dan, I, Terry, Dan, Dan I don't know what back, the, though, on this. Well, I just yeah. want to make sure, Dan, are you allowed to change your picks after other people say things and persuade you that you were wrong? I want to <laughs> no, throw that option no, the out is, there the for you. Your so you're stuck. In. You're stuck at this point. Okay, I wanted to make your sure. Your pick is in. You're picking the Jets. Uh, the Jets plus six no, and a half. My no, first I'll, pick is my first pick is Buffalo minus six and a half. And I'm can hoping I make, that Terry's got my back on this one. Can I pick my game twice? Can I make it a double pick? Is that allowed? I just <laughs> no. want you to have the opportunity to change your mind if you want to. No. Okay, I just double check. I didn't know the rules. Unless Stefan Diggs can catch balls that are thrown 15 yards out of bounds, I don't see how he helps. Exactly. You guys know Adam Gase is still the Jets coach, right? Yeah, I, I would tell Adam Gase, watch out on the sidelines when Josh Allen is dropping. All back right. Back. Ellis, give us your give us your first pick, Ellis. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. All right. Well, I think Doug will like this one, so I'm gonna lead with it. 
I've got Bengals plus three over the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, this Bengals team has come back and they are loaded with weapons on paper. Again, a lot like the Browns, you see their roster, you, you pull them up on Madden and you like the toys you're playing with. Um, Tyler Boyd, AJ Greenback, even though he has not really been practicing, we'll see once he gets out there. Uh, Joe Mixon just signed that extension. And now you got Joe Burrow rather than the plethora of quarterbacks they tried last year. Joe Burrow, here's a prediction for you too, since we're, if we're talking uh, lines, we can also do futures. Uh, I say Joe Burrow breaks the t- rookie touchdown record set by Baker Mayfield two years ago. Um, Baker did it in what, 13, 14 games. Uh, Joe Burrow is going to be throwing this ball over the place and he's going to have command of an offense early. And, and, and I know Doug can speak to that probably a little more than me, but I don't see why this, every rookie is going to have their, their growing pains, but quarterbacks becoming easier and easier to play at the next level. And if anyone can overcome a, a pandemic and a virtual offseason, it's going to be Burrow. And this also has a lot to do with the Chargers defense. They lost Derwin James. I, I don't see a lot like Buffalo. I don't know where the, the support for a Chargers team that is going the Tyrod Taylor route, which we've all seen how that turns out. Pretty mediocre, if not below average. Uh, they're going to have the rookie quarterback waiting, waiting to eventually play. And they just seem a little sloppier despite how buttoned up they come off uh, nationally. So give me the Bengals plus three, and it's going to be an interesting game come Thursday night when Cincinnati comes to Cleveland. I am, I'm bullish on the Bengals' weapons. I like the, the weapons they have. I don't know if they can protect Joe Burrow. I don't know if their defense can stop anybody, but I like uh, Joe Mixon. I like that receiving group. Um, other than that, I don't have a whole lot to say about that game. Terry or Doug? Uh, once the Browns get a hold of him next Thursday night, it's going to be rough sledding for Burrow. Baker's going to hold on to the record, but the Bengals could be more of a threat than people are giving him credit for. I think Burrow's the real deal. I think he's calm. I think he's athletic. I think he's mature. He's old, right? I mean, he's old for a rookie. I thought about this game. I looked at Kyler Murray's debut last year, 29 of 54 for 308 yards, 54% completions, two touchdowns, one interception. I stayed away because I was a little reluctant about a rookie QB making his first start. And I can envision a world where like Tyrod Taylor is just like competent and the Chargers win like 1913, you know, and it's it's Joe's first game. But if I was going to bet on a rookie quarterback who could come in and look ready, I think Burrow's that kind of guy. So I know where Ellis is coming from. 1913 is actually a Tyrod Taylor score. That is totally. every, every game Tyrod Taylor has ever played has ended 1913 one way yep. or the other. Uh, Terry, give us your first pick. Well, I'm going to go with the Miami-New England game. To me, six and a half seems awfully optimistic for the new look Pats in Cam Newton's debut. I just don't know what can be expected out of them. And even at the height of Tom Brady's superpowers, the Dolphins have always been a thorn in the side of the Patriots. So given that and the fact that my mom likes the Dolphins, I'll take Miami plus the six and a half. I'm, I'm not going to have any picks left. <laughs> I got Miami plus six and a half too. I actually agree with you. I, I think uh, the Dolphins are a well-coached team. Uh, they, they actually got some guys who used to play for New England that are going back to Foxborough going to have that little extra juice that first game with cam newton with bill belichick and and josh mcdaniels miami has always been tough against new england like you said terry i don't know if miami wins this game but i like taking my chances with that plus six and a half i think this is smart because obviously since bill belichick's retirement um you don't know what's going to happen 
oh, wait, Bill Belichick is still the coach? And in the middle of a pandemic, you're betting against Bill Belichick, who has a former MVP at quarterback when we thought he was going to be starting a fourth rounder off the scrap heap? Go ahead and throw your money away in a pandemic by betting against Bill Belichick in week one. Go ride that Fitz train, baby. Good luck. I'll be waving to you from the station. No, 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 no. Doug, I'll tell you why you can bet against Bill Belichick in week one. The Pats are notorious for starting slow. They almost treat the first four weeks and the tea's being sipped again for, uh, for our, our listeners and non-viewing audience. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Patriots start slow. They treat the four, first four weeks like preseason games. And now there aren't preseason games. The Pats had, what, nine players opt out of the season, the majority of those on defense. They've got probably the worst linebacking unit or at least experienced linebacking unit in football behind the Browns, I would say. And Brian Flores, a product of Bill Belichick, is looking like to be one of the only ones from his tree who is going to possibly become something here. They beat New England last year. I know this would now be two in a row. And I understand it's in Foxborough. That's the only thing that gives me pause. But if I like a side, I do like six and a half. And there's going to be some Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic is an also guy who has given the Patriots problems. So combine that with the momentum of the Dolphins. Shout out my buddy, John Van Geffen. He's a diehard Dolphins fan. I'm riding with him this week. Did, did you guys know there's an NFL rule that every team has to have at some point employed either Josh McCown or Ryan Fitzpatrick? It's in the rule book. It's there. I'm going to the rule. <laughs> I'm going to do my, my last pick here because I'm out. I'm out of games. This is my third game. You, you guys have had my other ones, and I want to make sure that I get to actually bring a game to the table uh, here. So I, got, I did some research. Believe it or not, the Seattle Seahawks in 2019 beat the two-win Cincinnati Bengals by one in their opener. 2018, they lost at Denver. 2017, they lost at Green Bay. 2016, they beat Miami 12-10. to And then 2015, they lost at St. Louis in overtime to one of those classic Jeff Fisher 7-9 and squads. The point I'm making here is Seattle – notoriously slow starter, notoriously bad in open weeks, uh, in opening weeks. They're going to Atlanta for a one o'clock game. I got the Falcons plus two over the Seahawks. Yep, Dan, I'm all over that one with you. I had that, um, that was one of my picks also. Uh, I think Atlanta's a team that's getting forgot about. Uh, there's a lot, I think Dan Quinn's actually pretty high on uh, first coach fired odds if we were to pull those up. And I don't know if that's necessarily fair, sure. He may be on his way out considering the lackluster defense that this team has had for like two years now, and he's a defensive uh, coordinator formally. But they still got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and if you're going to get anything out of Todd Gurley, it's going to be early, not late. And I completely agree with the Seattle slow start. Russell Wilson will start his MVP campaign, you know, come week six and on. It's not going to be in Atlanta. So I think it's a little disrespectful. It's plus two. So, yeah, I agree. Atlanta plus two there at home. Either of you have that game? Do you have anything to add to it? No, no, I think it's a good pick. And that's a thing, right? I mean, those West Coast teams coming East for a one o'clock start can be rough too, right? So I think think there's a lot of things that make sense there. For the first time, Dan makes sense on this podcast. Yes. Well, with that, I'm going to get your next game, Doug. I'm starting the Kyler Murray bandwagon this week with the Super Bowl hangover for the 49ers. Um, Plus seven for Arizona. I just feel like, you know, San Francisco lost to Forrest Buckner. Um, I don't know. I mean, Jimmy's fine. I know Kyle Shanahan's a genius, but 
you know, everybody's had, had a, a couple years now to see what's going on there. I just think you add DeAndre Hopkins to what the Cardinals are doing. I think Kyler Murray maybe can make a Lamar Jackson leap in year two and all of a sudden just look like a guy who absolutely tears teams apart. And so I think that could start now. And I think it maybe starts week one. I'll definitely take the touchdown. So I'll take Arizona plus seven against San Francisco. Yeah, I thought that one was interesting. And uh, the, the one thing about the Super Bowl hangover is I wonder if it's a little different this year just because there was no – there's nothing in the offseason for these teams. And training camp was shorter, and, and maybe it just sort of allowed their bodies to recover a little bit faster. I don't know. But I, I was a little curious about that game. I'm going to wait to jump on that Arizona bandwagon. But, Terry, you are in Arizona. Are you are, – are the Cardinals your NFC team? Yeah, I mean, I've got pause. My God, that was the reason. Yeah, well, I ever heard. When you grow up in Arizona and everybody's from somewhere else, I know somebody that roots for about every team in the NFL. So it's hard beyond the Browns. It's hard to say I have another team. I sort of have one, but we'll get to them later. The one thing, tell me if this sounds familiar. The Cardinals have a rookie quarterback coming off of a very promising first year. They've gotten him another top flight weapon to go on the outside, but didn't really address any of the guys to protect that guy going into his second year. So if you can say second year quarterback, didn't address his offensive line, but got him a shiny object on the outside. If that sounds familiar and you remember how that played out, I'm with Dan, I'm gonna hold off on the Cardinals for another year and think that they're still, they, they still got some, you know, building from the inside out to do with their team. They'll be better, but they're st they still have some work to do to really set Kyler Murray up for the success that everybody thinks he's going to have. Yeah, Terry, I think that's a, just a home run analysis by you. The 49ers still have the best and most fierce pass rush. And it's not even a pass rush. It's just the way they control the line of scrimmage. The Cardinals will not be able to run when it's time to throw. Unless Kyler's making something happen, they're going to eat him up. Nick Bosa is just as good an athlete as Kyler Murray is. I realize they're different. But you watch Bosa. Browns fans saw it last year. He is a freak of nature. Of course, Ohio State fans familiar. And he's only getting better. He's my defensive player of the year pick, too, if we want. I think he's actually the Vegas favorite. So I'm not going on a limb saying that. I just think he'll earn it. And then, Dan, I really like what you said about Super Bowl hangovers because not only is it a different year this year, but what I've noticed with Super Bowl hangovers is it tends to be teams that rely on throwing the football, that they need things to work out downfield. And – San Francisco showed you, just think of that Green Bay game. They can just come in, run the ball, you can't stop them, and they'll leave with a W. I realize seven points is a lot, but I think Terry brings up some red flags that Arizona just, we might be a little early on them. I, just, yeah, I, I might be in on Arizona to see how they do over the season. I'm not ready to jump on them. I want to see them, you know, actually play some games before I jump on them, picking them. All right, Terry, you have, uh, you're the only person with one game that, that you put out there, so let's get you caught up. What's your second game? I tried to pick a game that nobody else would be particularly interested in. So I went with Indianapolis at Jacksonville. And I hope it's worth all of the money and the nice weather for Joe Schobert to toil in obscurity for the next few years. Because <laughs> I feel like he's going to end up on the worst team in football again. But having said that, nine and a half points is a lot to ask out of Jacoby Brissett. Gardner Minshew will probably make enough plays to make it a ball game. So I'll take Jacksonville plus nine and a half. Jacksonville plus nine and a half. Now the, the good news though is Phillip Rivers is the guy there. 
in Indy now. Does that change anything? Oh, God, you know what? That's how <laughs> I failed to pay attention. It happens to the best of us. But that's just a different guy lobbing underthrown balls to defenders. So I'll stay with my nine and a half. I think you could almost make an argument that, uh, that maybe Jacoby Brissett should be out there if it's the same Philip Rivers that we saw last year. So you're going uh, to That's why I said it. <laughs> so you're taking Jacksonville plus nine and a half then? Yes. Right. I, I'm not letting the Joe Schobert swipe out of nowhere go by. Did the Browns <laughs> even offer Joe Schobert a contract? Are we acting like Joe Schobert going to Jacksonville is like a money grab? I, honestly, that wasn't a swipe at Schobert. He did what he needed to do. It's just no, that was a swipe. A Don't back team. off your swipe. You swiped him, and then you didn't even know who the Colts quarterback was. That was a swipe. I'm here have to stand s- up for Joe Schobert. Have you seen the Browns linebackers? Yeah, they stink because they Joe Schobert lunch for the next month to get him back for Sunday. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. I'm not I, like, yeah. If, if yeah, our Jacksonville – ne- okay. You know what? swipe I- at Jacksonville, not Schobert. Okay. If Joe Schobert went on Twitter tomorrow and was like, hey, that was a money grab, I would applaud him. Get $22 million or $22 million or whatever it was. Yo, and in Terry's defense, the Jaguars deserve every swipe possible. It couldn't be more obvious that they're tanking for Trevor or whatever college football season that may or may not happen than the top player in the draft because – uh, as the Browns just found out, they're having a yard sale with all their talent that started back with probably Jalen Ramsey. Uh, they don't have a player they've drafted since like 2014 or 15, something like that. And they're getting nickels on the dollar for these guys. It, it's quite embarrassing, honestly. Uh, it's incompetent and fans deserve better. It makes me think of uh, the 76ers of Philly. Uh, trust the process years when it was like, hey, just let us suck for two, three years. It's all going to be okay. Um, one quarterback doesn't come in and change anything. And you can say, oh, look at Lamar Jackson, look at Pat Mahomes. But look, think of the infrastructure that they had that they came into, and then they're able to blossom. You can't throw all that on a Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So shame on Jacksonville. So, Terry, they deserve all that hate. I'm here for it. You're anti-tank? You're anti-tank? Yeah. Oh, it's a, boy. When, we got to move, move on. Win your games. Play they football. Can, they stink guys, anyway. Tanking for Trevor makes total that. sense. You guys can save that for your uh, the, the pod that you guys are working on uh, coming up here. I'll <laughs> see you later, Doug. third game. Who's My third game? game? Ellis' yeah. third game? Ellis' All right, here, third game. Here we go. I wasn't going to pick this one, but then I was like, you know what? It's too fun not to talk about. So, my hometown Minnesota Vikings, minus two and a half at home versus the Green Bay Packers, who drafted nine players – and only one of them is listed as a backup. The other eight are all third strings or worse. That's stat again, courtesy of my buddy John Van Geffen's Twitter account. Appreciate that, man. What are the Packers doing? And why are we so high on them still when it is clear that they are just building a roadmap for Aaron Rodgers to demand out next year? This Aaron Rodgers is in the peak years of his prime. Maybe there's a second prime like a Drew Brees or – a Brett Favre or a Tom Brady, but we're not going to find that out in Green Bay because they have no weapons around him. It's Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and it's the same team. Yes, they can run the ball. Yes, the defense is stout, but this is about the Vikings not losing to the Packers twice at home. I know they don't have Daniel Hunter anymore. They got Ngakwe, so we'll, we'll call that an even break. And I'm just taking the home team here that is less than a field goal, which means that Vegas thinks Green Bay is the better team here. And if anything, they should be even, if not the Vikings, be a little better. So that field goal hook uh, at two and a half makes me pick the Vikings. 
I want to see how many times this year Ellis picks Minnesota. I felt to the there's a little one. Minnesota love in that. It's thing. gonna be Minnesota a it's gonna be a segment. Love. It's gonna have its own music. <laughs> Talk out of the Vikings segment one. Here we go. Talk about Vikings. Green Bay has got some fraud potential this year. I've I've seen some national folks kind of get on that too. They've they've got some. Uh, are we sure that 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 was legit last year when they got to the NFC Championship game? All right, Doug and Terry, you each have one more game left. Doug, what do you have for your third? I think the Steelers are going to be good this year. I think Big Ben is going to be back. I kind of made fun of them this offseason, but like all the reports obviously out of Pittsburgh or, you know, I think people sometimes I, – I drafted James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster in my fantasy league because I feel like it's like they had no quarterbacks last year. I just feel like there's still a lot of things in place there. They just signed Cam Hayward to a big deal. Six and a half, they're, they're at less – they're giving up six. They're giving uh, giving up six against the Giants and Daniel Jones. I think I think Roethlisberger is is gearing up to look like he did a couple years ago. So I'll take the Steelers minus six all day in that one. I, I, I stared at that one for a little while. So so quick poll here. Are we all on the same page, Terry? Do you think the Steelers are going to be good this year? Like really good, not just good, but like really good. It should. I mean, to show my age, I remember when Terry Bradshaw's elbow went and they went down in a hurry it it seems like when those quarterbacks go like with Peyton Manning when they go they go and maybe this is the year for Ben but until I actually see it I have to assume the Steelers are going to be maybe nine and seven ten and six good but not you know top seed in the playoffs good Ellis yeah, you know, I'm trying to build a rep as a, as a film guy, a data guy to back up my points, but here's some uh, analysis for you. I saw Ben Roethlisberger's quote about how he was going to have butterflies or be nervous on Monday night, and that made me change from uh, Pittsburgh will be 8-8 eight and eight to they're going to win the AFC North because it's a load of crap. He just loves doing that dance with the media and lowering expectations. I remember when he threw five picks a couple years ago and he said, oh, maybe I'm washed and Everything was just fine. He throws five touchdowns the next week. So just be, on that quote alone, the Steelers are winning the AFC North, and they're going to take care of business on Monday night. And Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, great picks, Doug, because that offense is going to be back on track, along with already one of the best defenses in football, and Mike Tomlin, who should have probably had some a lot more coach of the year consideration last year. All right, Terry, give us your third game. My third game is Dallas at the Rams. And beyond just the game, I thought – what could be more 2020 than that Rams Charger Stadium? The NFL spent about 50 years trying to get that thing built. It costs twice what it was supposed to. It's opening a year late, and there's not going to be a fan in the building. Yeah. The stars are aligned against the Rams. My nephews, Max and Mason, absolutely love the guys with stars on their helmets. So give me Dallas minus the three. Yeah, I can't argue with that one. I think Dallas, again, we talk about teams that could be really good. Dak Prescott Prescott wants to get paid, and that's always a good thing if you have a quarterback that wants to get paid and he's seen a bunch of guys just get a bunch of money. Um, New coach, Mike McCarthy. So Jason Garrett is out of there. He's in in New York uh, along with with Freddie Kitchens and and that crew up there, Joe Judge. So – yeah, I, I like the Cowboys right now. They always have a lot of talent. They've just never been able to convert it into, uh, at least in this era, into big winning. So may, maybe this is the year it happens for them. So I, I can't really argue with this one. Yeah, I think maybe the Cowboys are overhyped a little bit. I mean, they were 13-3 and three in Dak's rookie year a couple years ago, but I, I think people were tired of Jason Garrett. I don't know if Mike McCarthy is like – 
The answer for sure, I mean, certainly he had good years in Green Bay. I'm very curious to see how that works. I also think the Rams might be geared up for a, a big bounce back year, you know, after going nine and seven and missing the playoffs last year with kind of their Super Bowl hangover. Um, I, I think the Rams might be really good again this year too. But I, I, I think I'm very curious about this game because I think it'll tell us something fairly important about two of the better teams in the NFC. Yeah, the only way the Rams are a real threat this year is if Jared Goff makes an offseason jump that I'm not expecting. He led the team in pa- or led the team led the league in pass attempts last year. Obviously, Sean McVay doesn't want to do that again, but it was pretty obvious that Goff is McVay's puppet, and until he's able to make those plays on his own, I- I'm worried about the Rams. And uh, again, my Minnesota showing here, but Mike McCarthy, all he did for what felt like my entire childhood was go between 10 and six and 13 and three in green Bay. Uh, it was miserable every fall and winter going to school and hearing from my green Bay Packer friends uh, about Mike McCarthy and how great of a coach he was and how the streets in green Bay all named after him and yada, yada, yada. So <laughs> I'm going to keep riding with that because now he's in Dallas. Uh, my pops grew up a cowboy fan, Emmett Smith. So give me Dak Prescott this year and give me them in that game. I, I agree with you, Terry. I, I don't know about, uh, the Rams this year, and it's going to be – I think they're going to show that early. Yeah. I, like I said, I can't argue with the pick. I, I This is one I, I looked at, but I stayed away from just because I don't know what the Rams are going to be. If maybe they do have that bounce back. Maybe they're still a little, you know, middling. I, I just I just don't know. Uh, okay. I think we got three picks from everybody here, so it's time. We have to pick the Browns game. It is a rule. You cannot wiggle your way out of picking the Browns game. So as I'm looking at uh, the, the site we're using right now to get our odds bet online, uh, they've got the Ravens minus eight. Now, if there's any other sites out there that would like us to use their odds, listen, we're open for business. Give us a call. We'll, we'll talk. But right now, this is the, uh, the random site that we chose. No sponsorship there. It's just a random site we chose. Okay. Ravens, Browns. The line is eight. Terry, how about you get us started here? Uh, okay. My brain's telling me a bunch of things I don't want to hear. New <laughs> staff, no in-person offseason, no preseason. The Ravens have the MVP. The Ravens have the great coach. I get all that. But my wife loves me for my huge heart. Every ounce of that heart loves the Cleveland Browns and despises the Baltimore Ravens. In no time, space, or dimension can I ever bring myself to pick the Ravens to win anything. So give me my Cleveland Browns plus eight to run chubba hubba wubba all over the hated Ravens in a game the Browns win outright. I love it. You did that without reading. Yeah, I really respect that. That was perfect. Chubba hubba wubba. Ellis. I practiced. <laughs> Where are you? Oh, man. All right. And I'm not going to be able to one-up one Terry there. It's a tough act to follow. You can have thrown it to Doug or something. But here's, <laughs> here's what I'm looking at. I see the game tonight. Chiefs, Texans, I see Chiefs minus nine. So Vegas is telling me that they think that either the Chiefs are a point better than the Ravens or the Browns are a better team than the Texans. Both I don't think are true. So there's some inefficiency, inaccuracy going on here, and I am not a math guy to figure that out. But what I'm trying to say is based off that eye test is there is just no way that the Browns can go into Baltimore and win this game and based on continuity. We've been talking about it all year, and that has been the theme of the offseason. Teams like the Chiefs, 
That's why that line's minus nine because you know the Texans have won their division two years in a row, and DeAndre Hopkins isn't worth five points in Vegas. I can guarantee you that. So clearly, Vegas is valuing that also. So at minus eight, minus nine, I think both those teams playing at home are home run picks. And you know if this game happened in week four or five or six, Baltimore hosting the Browns, I'd feel a lot differently. But the timing, the schedule breaks terribly for Cleveland, so I got to take the Ravens minus eight here. Right. I'm, I'm with you on there. I, eight is a big number. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think if the Browns go to Baltimore on Sunday and they lose by like 10 points, I don't think we're sitting here saying, oh boy, here we go again. Exactly. I just think it, I just think it is what it is. Baltimore is very seasoned. They know who they are. They know who they want to be. There is a scenario where the Browns show up and just run the ball, control the clock and keep Lamar Jackson and that offense off the field. That's when you start to say, yeah, it will be the Browns plus eight. Uh, but for me, I, I just feel like Baltimore's got too many edges right now coming into this. And it wouldn't shock me if the Browns went out there and, and managed to cover this. But if, if you're going to make me put money down on it, I'm going to take Baltimore uh, minus eight. I'd probably stay away from this if we didn't have to pick it. Uh, but I'm going to take Baltimore minus eight. Is this not the Browns' toughest game on the schedule at Baltimore? I mean, is it maybe considering, the, considering the circumstances, yeah, but, I, I think so. But regardless, wherever you put this game, at Baltimore, right. they're great. It's on the road. They're great. Who else are they playing on the road that's as good as Baltimore? Maybe Dallas, right? I mean, this is – I think they could lose by 30, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's like get it out of the way. Who expects the Browns to go win? I think this is going to, like, tell us almost nothing about how the season's actually going to go because all the reasons you guys just said, but I mean, no offense to Terry, if you're not, if you're picking with your heart, that's the only explanation to pick the Browns in this because everything else goes, goes Baltimore's way, but there's nothing. And, and, and whatever happens, I am not in week two, as you get ready for, for Cincinnati on Thursday night, there's nothing. It could be 50 to nothing and they could have 74 penalties and I'm just going to throw it away because of, the pandemic and because of Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh and going on the road and everybody loses sometimes. This is a tough start, but I think it's okay. Get it out of the way. I, I do think, I, I do think I, I kind of said this, but I do think there is that the one case you can make outside of, of picking with your heart. I think the one case you can make is the Browns have that fallback of two really good running backs and, and they can control some things and they can, you know, maybe slow down that Baltimore offense by keeping them on the sideline. And really, those are your big play guys, right? Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. We saw what happened last year in that 40-25 to 25 game. Nick Chubb has a huge day. The Browns control the football. Uh, you know, even Jarvis Landry, it went as a pass, but it was really a shovel pass. He had that big run before the half and before he left with a concussion that, that really kind of changed that game. Um, it's interesting, actually, you're going to hear from Mike Preston after we, we finish up our pick segment here from Baltimore, from the Baltimore Sun. He's, he talks a little bit about how, you know, if there is a formula, it might be running the football and keeping that offense on the sideline. I just still think, because neither team really fully knows who they are, Baltimore knows, knows who they are more than the Browns. Yeah, so, yeah and Dan, Dan, the other that's, thing that's I'll kind say, of where I'm at there. The other thing I'll say is the, only, the other only thing the Browns really have is the element of surprise. We can all act like we know exactly what this Cleveland offense is going to look like because of Kevin Stefanski, and we can cut and paste the Minnesota tape and put it on Cleveland. But Kevin's a lot smarter than that. We don't know. So the element of surprise at least works something in week one. All right. 
So here's what I've got written down. So correct me if I'm wrong on this. We've got Doug with the Jets plus six and a half over Buffalo. Arizona plus seven over San Francisco. Pittsburgh minus six over the Giants and the Ravens minus eight over the Browns. Ellis went Cincinnati plus three over the Chargers. Atlanta plus two over Seattle. Minnesota minus two and a half over Green Bay and then Baltimore uh, over Cleveland at that minus eight. For Terry, uh, Miami plus six and a half over New England. Uh, Jacksonville plus nine and a half over Indianapolis. Dallas minus three over the Rams and then Cleveland plus eight over Baltimore. Terry, if you get that one right, you can jump on Football Insider and take your victory laps against us all day long uh, when, when the Browns not only cover but go <laughs> and win on Sunday. Uh, and then I had the, uh, the Ravens minus eight over the Browns. I also had Miami plus six and a half over New England. Also had the Falcons plus two over Seattle. And I'm going head to head with Doug on Buffalo minus six and a half against the awful Adam Gase coached Sam Darnold quarterbacked New York Jets. Good luck. All right. Any side action? Any, any side action there between you two? That, that would be fun. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I got, I got like, six, I got six bucks in my wallet. I'll, I'll be willing to bet that. <laughs> uh, I'm in six bucks. All right. All right. Alice, That's- you're the bookmaker. You heard that six bucks on this game, six bucks Wrote it down. American cash. <laughs> Wrote it down right here. And as the bookie, I get a, a 3% cut. So we'll talk oh, later. Wow. We're going to have to negotiate this a little bit. Ellis has some kind of scheme going on over there. All right, that'll do it for this, uh, this segment here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. After the break, we're going to bring back uh, – we're going to talk to Mike Preston of the Baltimore Sun, Mary Kay Cabot, and I had a chance to talk to him to look ahead to the Ravens and tell you what to expect on Sunday. Look, if you want to get involved in this, uh, like Terry did today and like you're going to hear from our, some other Football ins- Insider subscribers and uh, probably Terry again at some point this season, you got to start that 14-day free trial, 216 216- 208-3965. Check out Football Insider. This is the time to get involved. Uh, Terry, you're obviously a subscriber. So, I mean, just real quick, uh, what is it that you like about Football Insider? Why is it something that you do? I like getting the text, getting the newsletter, having all this inside information that gets delivered to me rather than me having to go seek it out. We're all busy. People are trying to work and be school teachers and all those things. And having the depth of information that you all provide handed over to you is invaluable. And at the price that's being charged, it's I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed it. Awesome. Great. Well, we love to hear it. We obviously appreciate you uh, subscribing. Uh, we, you know, we appreciate when people want to subscribe to hear what we have to say. So, uh, Terry, thanks for the time. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, it'll be Mike Preston on the other side. Now we're pleased to welcome on Mike Preston from the Baltimore Sun to tell us a little bit more about the Ravens. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us here. Oh, uh, No problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, Mike, you know what? It's just so nice to, uh, to be reunited with you here on this Zoom after we've known each other for so many years, too many, uh, more than we would care to count, right? <laughs> We, we don't want to go back to those MISL days, do we, Mary Kay? <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, so, Alice, we, we've been out at Browns practice today. We've been, you know, on Zoom calls all day with uh, Kevin Stefanski, Baker Mayfield, J.C. Treader, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. So yeah, kind of give us an idea. What's the news out of Baltimore today as this Wednesday gets rolling? News? There isn't any news, which is a good thing. I mean, this team 
they actually think they're going 16 and 0. I mean, they're not cocky, but they're confident. And they believe they have unfinished business. And the whole day today is all they talked about was we're glad the season's here. It's time to get started because they're, they're hungry. And uh, they had a disappointing season a year ago. They went 14 and two. They kind of bombed in the playoffs. And, uh, and they were at home, home field advantage. And, and they lost. And now they're on a mission. And that's all they talked about during the entire offseason. And, and, and that's their focus. And probably I've covered this team ever since they came to Baltimore. This may not be the best team, but it certainly is the most focused and, and most disciplined team. Wow, that's interesting. I'm just wondering real quick, Mike, what is different about Lamar Jackson this year? What, uh, how has he gotten better? How has he improved? What can we expect to see from Lamar? I think you'll see the same thing you saw last year, but the hope is, and, and we've seen it so far, is that he's throwing the football outside the numbers better. I mean, basically, if you could come in and shut down their running attack and make um, Lamar throw the ball, you, you could beat him. It, it, and, and you saw that in the playoffs because he threw the ball 59 times, and no, there's no way Lamar needs to throw the ball 59, 60 times a game. He's more in a 25 to 30 range, which means their running game is, is going, and then he's successful. He can throw the long ball, but he's not consistent outside the numbers. So they went out and they brought in a lot of speed. They emphasized him getting the ball downfield. And we've seen it so far in practice. But again, we haven't seen a preseason because there are no preseason games. So uh, we'll see Sunday, that's for sure. So you mentioned the 14-2 the and two last year and, and then losing in, in that opening round uh, and, and then their first game of the playoffs. What, do, what does this team need to do to get over that hump? And, and what do you think happened last year when they got into the postseason? Well, I, I think they got a little cocky. It's a young team. I mean, you look at this roster and go down the numbers, they, they still may be one of the youngest teams in national football. Very talented, but they didn't have a, a big dynamic leader. There's no Ray Lewis, um, no Ed Reeves on this team, guys with that kind of personalities, and that's what they needed. Hopefully, Lamar has emerged and, and, and kind of became that, has become that guy. And on defense, they bring in a guy like Calais Campbell, who's been around 10 or 11 years. He can probably straighten them out, get that attitude going. And the Ravens, the, the script hasn't changed. The philosophy is still the same. It's just that sometimes you need a couple guys, a couple older tough guys to come in. And we saw that in 2000. When they bring in uh, Rod Woodson and Shannon Sharp and Tony Saragusa, you, you need those egghead veterans sometimes. That's kind of what this team needs. They, they probably need to be have more tough guys, and I think they went out and got a couple with uh, Campbell and, and Derek Wolf from the Denver Broncos. You know, I, I've been thinking as we head, uh, head into this game, nobody has really talked too much about this aspect of it yet. Do you think there will be any lingering bad blood between – Odell Beckham Jr. and Marlon Humphrey. Has anything been said about that whatsoever? They don't talk about it, or at least Marlon won't talk about it, but there's going to be bad blood because they're both good. They both uh, talk a lot. Marlon's not a talker, but he's not going to back down. And Mary Kay, let's remember who's on the other side. Marcus Peters. Yeah. He <laughs> talk a lot. Uh, get after people. These guys, they look forward to playing the Browns. They want to play those receivers. And, you know, Beckham is a good player, but the guy who killed him in the first game last year was, was Jarvis Landry. That was the guy who hurt him. Um, 
and he was in the slot. Sometimes he's outside. So they got to find a way to, to, to shut him down. But uh, Beckham and Humphrey, you, you know, the, everyone knows here, at least in Baltimore, that if you can shut Beckham down early in the game, he gets frustrated, starts talking and yapping a lot. You can get him out of his game. I'm pretty sure they've talked about that this week, of, uh, coming out early, kind of trying to punch him in the mouth and, and slow him down a little bit. Now, one of the guys that's not going to be in that secondary, we know, is, is Earl Thomas. Uh, the Ravens moved on from him. What do they lose not having him there? And, and just bigger picture, what, what did it tell you about this organization that they were willing to move on from a guy like that? Well, a couple of things. One, you know, Earl had some issues as far as participating in uh, practice, being made for meetings. That's all documented now. Um, and they actually wanted to move him at the end of last season. But they, they didn't have enough to kind of come out and, and, and kind of get rid of the contract. Uh, but now that's over. I think the team was saying, hey, we have all the guys in place. We don't need any bad apples. And I talked about that earlier when I said this team has that blue-collar work ethic and they're all on the same page. And, and Earl wasn't on the same page. So basically it comes down to, and we've seen this before in the National Football League, is when your personality becomes more than your production, then it's time to get rid of you. That's what happened to Earl. And uh, it, it, it's a good thing they did. I mean, how many times, and you guys have been around, how many times do your, your fellow players say, we don't want him around anymore? That, that's unbelievable. So the organization said, hey, we want to win a Super Bowl. We got a shot at this. Let's get rid of this before it festers in our locker room. And, and uh, do you think the team in some ways pulled together a little bit closer after that? And how do you think Elliot will do in his place? I, I think Elliot will, will play well. I, I, I mean, the, the thing with Earl and what Earl did extremely well was he could stop the run. He couldn't backpedal anymore. He couldn't play in the back end, but he was always around the line of scrimmage. He'd come up, make tackles. He helped their run defense. I'm not sure Elliot could be as physical as him, but as far as on the back end, and getting back in pass coverage, he's better than Earl. Uh, Chuck Clark is the guy last year who stepped in and started calling all the plays and the formations. So uh, they're, they're fine. They really meet uh, Miss Earl's leadership. No, they might miss his toughness because he was a tough guy. But um, as far as what he brings to the table schematically and, and so forth, they, they won't miss him at all. You know, you touched on this a little bit, but the weapons that the Ravens have, we know about their ability on the ground. T tell us a little bit about the weapons they have outside. Those receivers can fly. Fastest group of receivers um, the Ravens have had in, in the history of this team. I mean, uh, Marquise Brown, who, who's a second-year player, um, had injuries at, at, at Texas, at college, I mean, at Oklahoma. And then he comes here, and, and he's kind of struggled. But he still had a pretty good season for a, a rookie and then they go out and they draft the guy, Devin Devernay. Um, he's another guy who can flat out fly. Um, you, you'll see this team, and, and it kind of fits into what they want to do with Lamar overall. Short passing game, uh, a lot of yards after the catch, uh, hitches, slant ends, th those kind of things, in the rounds. Uh, that fits into the, the, the scheme here. But also, uh, Miles Boykin is in the second year, big guy from Notre Dame. Um, if he plays well, they, they might be on to something because they don't have that big physical presence on the outside. But overall, speed-wise, 
this team can get after it. And you could talk about the kid Dobbins from Ohio State, the running back. Put this down. If Ingram gets hurt, Dobbins will become the starter, even though they list him as number four. This guy can play. He will become the starter, and he can catch out of the backfield. So he becomes a major commodity in this offense. But they can fly. And, again, they still have tight end Mark Andrews. I, I do want to go back to Dobbins uh, because here in, here in the Cleveland area, this is obviously Buckeye country. And of all the places that Dobbins could have ended up, you know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore would have been the worst case scenarios for a lot of Browns fans <laughs> here. And of course, he ends up in Baltimore. I mean, what, just what have you seen from him? You know, the guy can get to the perimeter extremely fast. I mean, and, and, and he's not one of those, those scat back types. But he has quick acceleration. He can find holes, and he gets through. But he can also run with power, which I, when I watched him in Ohio State, I kind of wondered if that would work in the National Football League, his style. But it, it kind of fits right into what the Ravens want, uh, uh, basically a downhill runner who's going to go forward but has that ability to, to run with power and, and has exceptional body length. This guy always gets yards. You can hit him in the backfield, but he's, he's leaning forward for two or three. So he fits in here. The, the, the Ravens like him. And, and, and overall, their draft class. And forget, don't forget they have the other guy, um, Harrison, that linebacker. That young man could play, too. They had a very good draft. I mean, not only quality players and, and athletes, but smart kids. Um, and, and when you talk to him and interview him, you're like, you, you, you walk away impressed. You know, we all heard uh... – John Harbaugh take his little shot at uh, Nick Long <laughs> and Kareem Hunt early in the week, talking about how, uh, you know, by their own account over there, they've got the two best backs in the league and, and whatnot. And we all know where uh, John was kind of going with that and having a little bit of fun with that. Uh, but really, I mean, what, what have the Baltimore Ravens done to try to stop this one-two attack. I mean, Nick had 165 yards, as we mentioned, in the game last year. So what's going to be different now? They brought in Calais Campbell, and they brought in Derek Wolf. I mean, those are two major dishes. It's an upgrade, a significant upgrade over last season. Campbell is probably the quickest guy off the ball I've seen here since Sam Adams in 2000. He can disrupt plays, and, and, and he's a leader, and he kind of fits in with what's going on here. Uh, Wolf, strong motor, relentless in, in pursuit. Uh, not as powerful as Campbell, but as strong. And they took Brandon Williams, who was a defensive tackle, who really hard, and they put him back at nose. So it's going to take two guys to block him. So with Campbell and Williams, they're going to occupy two, three, four, four blockers on, on, on any play. So they're in pretty good shape there. The problem is, who do you have in the middle? You have rookie... Uh, Patrick Queen, uh, the number one pick from LSU. And you have LJ Ford. Uh, they're not household names, but they're runners. And if you can protect your runners inside, uh, you're in good shape because that's what the National Football League is. Nobody wants to pound it anymore. Nobody has to shock and shed linebackers. Everyone's going to the speed, and, and, and that's what they got. And that's what they went out and, and, and brought in and drafted. So they're in decent shape. Their, their run defense has improved. And if you want to beat the Ravens, stop their run, and you run the ball against them, keep Lamar off the field, you win. And Cleveland did that uh, the, the first game here last year. You know, one of the buzzwords here in Cleveland as they, they changed front offices and coaches again was alignment. 
and the Ravens are one of those organizations that, you know, just oozes alignment, right? With John Harbaugh's been there for a while. Eric DaCosta took over for Ozzie. They, they were obviously both in that building together for a while. Uh, when, when you look at, at why the Ravens have been so successful, has, has that been one of the keys, the fact that they've sort of had that stability and that alignment? Well, that's what you want. I mean, not only on your coaching staff and on your team, but in your front office. I mean, Ozzie, he was the one who trained DaCosta. They waited a while to get that in place. And basically when Ozzie said, okay, it's my time to step down, they already knew where they were going. This thing was set up years ago and it just keeps working. And the thing is, is Ozzie still in the building? He's still a consultant. He's still an advisor. Um, they keep these guys around for a little bit before they, they, they melt into the sunset. And that's a good thing. And, and we'll go back to when Brian Billick left uh, in 2007 and, and John Harbaugh came in 2008. The owner, Steve Bashotti, and I couldn't believe he said this because he, he gave uh, like honors and props to the Pittsburgh Steelers and said, we want to be like the Steelers. We want stability. We, we want to have the same guys around. And that's exactly what they did. And, and, and it's worked out for them. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are and maybe what you're hearing coming out of, uh, of the locker room or, you know, the Zoom calls or whatever, uh, just kind of about Baker Mayfield. What are these guys thinking about Baker as they head into this game? And, and you know, here, here you have the number one overall pick from that year uh, versus Lamar, uh, the last pick in, in the round from that year and just the way it's worked out so far. Don't let him get hot. You know, if he gets hot and gets in that streak, he can beat you, but if you if you force him to struggle a little bit, where he's uh, kind of thinking too much and a little inconsistent, then you can beat him, and, and and that's the key. And to get him out of his spot, you know, I, I always heard people say he could throw on the run. I haven't been that impressed with the uh, the way he throws on the run. I, I think he can move, but I don't think he can throw on the run. They want to move him out of the pocket, and uh, they're going to attack that offensive line. And uh, I think they'll tackle him at like the left tackle position. Uh, I think they'll blitz him a lot. And the Ravens are one of the top blitzing teams in the National Football League. I, I think they're going to stay with it. They're they're not going to change that up. Mike, have you uh, have you made a, a prediction for this season yet? Oh, that's a tough one. Am I, am I putting you on the spot? That's a tough one. You know, if if the Ravens if they stay healthy and and that's for just about any team, you can say it for any team, but this is a good football team. I mean, uh, they know where they want to be. They know how they're going to get there. Um, the, for the past two seasons, they've made progress, even though they haven't won a playoff game. Um, but they've gotten further and further in the postseason. I think they can go 13-3. and three. I mean, if you look at the, the AFC North, no one knows about Cleveland. Right now, 8-8. Uh, eight, eight, Six and ten, just on the looks of thing. Um, you look at the Bengals; they're, they're they're rebuilding. Pittsburgh. What do we know about Pittsburgh? I mean, Big Ben is back, but so what? Is he the old Ben or is he just an old Ben? Which which one is he? We we don't know. You go over and look at the schedule. They play the NFC East. There was only one team over there with a with a better than five hundred record last season. So. It can happen. I, I think next to the Kansas City Chiefs and until the Ravens beat the Chiefs and they haven't done it in two years, 
The Ravens are the second best team in the AFC. Um, I think they'll play the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Uh, New England, they're, they're not the same. And uh, I'll take it even a step further and go over to the NFC. And I love the 49ers and what they've done over there. Uh, I think they're going to be back. But the Saints are due, too. I mean, they've been there a couple of years. So those, those are the teams that I think are going to be at the top when it's, when it's all said and done. You know, Mike, I'm curious. Um, has there been anything much said about how the Browns just came into Baltimore last year and just smacked them in the mouth? I mean, that just, I think, shocked everybody uh, for them to walk away with that 40 to 25 victory. And then, you know, then the Ravens go on a, you know, long tear after that. Uh, but I mean, is that sort of looming large in their minds, you think, as the, as the Browns are coming back into town? No, I think that's, that was the turning point in their season. You, you know, when you go, you, you, you come into your place, kick your butt. All right. And you had heard all these things about the Browns all season. And I think the Ravens, they kept hearing about it. And you saw some of the, the stuff coming out of the Ravens locker room. Well, they're the Browns, they talk too much. They've been talking a lot. They're not for real. They're not for real. And then all of a sudden they get here and they're kind of running the ball down your face and saying, oh, we ain't ready for this game. Um, they woke them up. And, and, and that's a good thing. Sometimes you need that. Um, do they look at this as a revenge game? Haven't heard that at all. It's just that, hey, it's an AFC North game. They respect the Browns. And if you go back and look at the history of, of, of this rivalry, um, they've had some pretty good games against um, uh, the Browns. So, no, they, they got a, a lot of respect. I, I do kind of like John Harbaugh's uh, little shot about the running backs. He, he always gets one of those in. Uh, kind of like gets them going and I'm like okay John well, we got you buddy so hey you, you took a shot at their running backs you better back it up Sunday yeah well, remember, remember play. last year what he he told me at the owners meetings oh the Browns have the most talent in the AFC North and that was sort of his little uh you know opening salvo for last season <laughs> he had a little sarcasm John John <laughs> with those sometimes, man. And, and, but I kind of like that. I mean, that makes it fun, yeah. makes it exciting, and uh, hey, let them get after it and, and, and bring it on. We'll see what happens. It's football. It's supposed to be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike, we appreciate you taking the time. Mike Preston from the Baltimore Sun joining us here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks for giving us all the info on the Ravens. All righty, guys. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks a lot, Mike. See you Sunday. All righty. And thanks to Mike Preston. Also, thanks to our Football Insider subscriber, Terry Richardson, for joining us to make picks. For everybody involved in this podcast, Mary Kay, Doug, Ellis, I am Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you after the game on Sunday.